little boy walked into his mother's bathroom as she was just beginning to put on her facial cream. And he looked at her, uh, slightly confused, and he said, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, Oh, honey, I'm making myself look beautiful. And so he sat and he watched for a while, and a few minutes later he noticed she started to take off the cream. And he looked at her and he said, Oh, what's wrong, Mom? Are you giving up? On a day that we celebrate mothers and, and influencers and shapers, remember that, um, you know, love is, love is hard. It, uh, it challenges us in a lot of ways. This is a day that we talk a lot about that. It, I was reading um, Robert uh, Fulham recently. He was talking about his days in ministry, and he talked about Mother's Day, and he said he served a wonderful church, and, but they kind of came to him his first year there so and said, just so you know, Mother's Day, we have a lot of guests come. A lot of church members bring their mothers. So we don't want to tell you what to preach. And on Mother's Day, you can preach on anything you want to. But it better be about mothers. <laughs> and it better be good. So uh, we, we do. So we talk about that today. But, but we talk about it in a, in a much bigger sense, a much, much wider sense. It's interesting. Mother's Day has... Uh, some of its roots in the United, well, actually in the Methodist Church. It was, it was a movement that started, and some of you may know this, in about the, around the 1860s, um, a woman by the name of Ann Jarvis, who lived in West Virginia. And it was started to encourage women to be instruments of peace. It was started in the aftermath of the Civil War. And Ann had seen, as many had, seen their sons and their husbands die and suffer greatly in the war, and she felt that women um, could be an, an instrument of peace in a way that sometimes men are blinded to. And so it, it started there, and then the mantle of, of what would become Mother's Day was carried on by her daughter, Anna Jarvis, who uh, actually never had biological children, but was a Sunday school teacher in the Methodist Church and had an influence on a great number of kids. And it does remind us, as I often say, motherhood is a much much bigger umbrella for us in the Church of Christ and how we understand that. And, uh, but it was interesting. I was watching a video on it this morning, actually, and it talked about the life of Anna Jarvis. And uh, the, the carnation was chosen as the flower to represent Mother's Day because the, the petals of the, of the flower hold so tightly together. And that's where that came from. But she would later regret it. Anna Jarvis later would kind of um, push against Mother's Day because she, or she objected to the way that um, it became commercialized, the way of the hallmark. And, and she said you could buy a carnation on every other day of the year for five cents a carnation, but on Mother's Day they were charging a dollar to a dollar and a half. And so, so she was pushing. And they quoted her, I'm sitting at the desk. Now you've got to picture this. I'm sitting at the desk in the office at the house, and I'm watching this video, and they said, they were quoting Anna Jarvis as she said, this Hallmark thing, and I'm paraphrasing, is so stupid. Who would buy a card with somebody else's sentiment and then hand it to their mother or their spouse as if it was their words? Now, as I'm hearing this, I'm looking at the Mother's Day card <laughs> that I bought. Sorry, Tony. Where'd you go? And, and there you are. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is kind of bad. So... Um, <laughs> So a lot of us fall into that, but, but 
it is a day for us to recognize those, those folks in our lives, but to, to recognize the heart of it, not just the commercialized uh, aspect of it. And so today, we talk about really the, the, what I think the idealized value of Mother's Day is for us, which is really as it speaks to us about the nature of love. And it's a day we celebrate specifically women, the women in our lives who have loved us. Uh, and we, we sing in, in worship, and we focused on that understanding of love. And, and certainly those women in faith who have who've been a part of that have modeled the love of Christ for us. So I want to go to a text in the Gospel of John, in the 15th chapter, in which Jesus talks about the character of love, what, the, what love really looks like and, and what that means for us as a people that are called to live that out. Not women called to live that out, not just men, but us together, young, old, men, women, that are called to live out His love. So I want you to hear these words that Jesus speaks. Begins in, I'm going to pick it up in the ninth verse. Now, just prior to this, Jesus has talked about the vine and the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. You know, be connected to me. Jesus says this in verse 9. He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Friends, may God add his blessing to the reading here of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, speak to us through your scriptures, through your Holy Spirit. Challenge us in our faith. Move us close to you and close to each other as the people you have called us to be. We pray in Christ. Amen. When, uh, when I was in seminary in the 90s, there was an interesting practice that was beginning in some medical programs around the country. And that was, as seminary students, uh, we were required to spend one semester in the, the hospital there at the university and, and work in the chaplaincy program. So we would, I mean, it was one of our classes, and we did small group, and we did verbatims, and we did kind of practices of, of counseling, but we had to, to spend a lot of our time on a hospital unit visiting patients and, and being with families in all kinds of circumstances. What started to develop in some medical programs was they were starting to at least give an opportunity, if not require, some medical students, doctors in training, if you will, to also spend a semester of their education shadowing chaplains or ministry students in the hospitals doing the chaplaincy work. They wanted medical students to have an experience and to see the other side of care, 
not, not the, the, the physical treatment, if you will, but, but the emotional, the empathetic, the sympathetic side of care that, that nurses specialize in. Uh, men and women that are in the nursing profession, you know, they're very often, most often, uh, that personal side of care. And they wanted doctors to have that experience and to see that because it's a challenge. As many of us know, when we've been in the hospital, doctors are in and out. A lot of times it's very, very technical. And so they wanted to try to build some of that into the practice of medicine. About the same time, USA Today had an article that talked about another suggestion. I don't know if it ever got implemented, but there was another suggestion some uh, medical schools were exploring, and that was having their doctors take acting classes so they could learn how to act sympathetic or empathetic. Now, it wasn't just to be deceptive. Part of the hope was that in learning to act sympathetic and compassionate, they would actually begin to develop sympathy and compassion. So it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be deceptive. But it was this recognition that happens, as I was reflecting on this, it happens in the medical profession, it happens in ministry, it happens in just about any caregiving kind of a, a ministry or service. And that is that it's very easy to begin to build walls. Because when you face tragedy and you face death, and that's part of the experience of, of what you do, and, and this can happen in a number of ways, there's a, there's a human necessity to kind of build some barriers to protect yourself emotionally because it can be overwhelming. And, and I can remember, and I've, I've shared with you before, when I was in that hospital being in the, um, the pediatric unit, with, with the nurses who were caring for these infants and newborns. And these were, these were high, this was a university medical center, so it wasn't, usually if babies were in the pediatric unit, it was really, really bad. And they faced death on a daily basis. And, and, and being just so overwhelmed by not only the compassion and the love that they lived out, but, but how they emotionally handled that. Because I've, I've told you before, the first baptism I ever did was a baby that didn't survive the night. And I was an emotional wreck. It wrecked me. I had to go into... The, I, I got off... and It was an all-nighter at the hospital. I got off that morning from my uh, being on call, and I went straight into a counselor. And I said, you got to help me make sense of this because I am messed up. Because, and so to see how these caregivers and these nurses and, and doctors sometimes too... We, we deal with that. And so the tendency, my, my whole point is that the human experience tells us to then let's build some walls so that we don't emotionally get too connected, that we don't get too wounded in this. The reason I, I start with that is because we celebrate a day today. We celebrate the people in our lives who have loved us in such a way that they were willing to take the risk of being wounded. People that have loved us in such a way that they refused to build walls to protect themselves, but they invested and they gave themselves up. We call this Mother's Day. We celebrate mothers or grandmothers, but maybe it wasn't a mother or a grandmother for you. But hopefully today you have the ability to, to, to celebrate, to remember, to spend time with women in your life who have cared enough to say, I will put myself out there. I'm not going to, because you cannot love, you cannot truly love from arm's length. You can't do it. There may be times when it's understandable people try, but you can't. And, and certainly parents know this. I mean, our hearts, uh, you know, we, Tony and I, you know, joke that when Ryan started driving, you know, 
Every time he drives off, our heart goes into our throat. Not because he's not a safe driver, but because we know, you know what it is to, to risk to love somebody. And so we celebrate that today. We celebrate the true character, the true nature of love, which puts itself out there and those who have done that for us. And we celebrate what love looks like. And that's why I turn to these words that, that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John because they give us an understanding of, of the true depth and, and the, the real the heart of what love is, the, the, the character of love. And this is not only what Jesus would speak. It's not just about what he teaches, but this is what he lived. This is the example of his very life. And so he, he reveals some very profound truths about what love means. And the first one is this. Love is a command. Well, that sounds harsh. That's not warm and fuzzy, but, but Jesus commands us to love. That's the very last thing he says in this section of text. This is my command that you love one another. He says, if you keep my command, you will abide in my love. In John chapter 13, two chapters before these verses, uh, Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandment is, this is what he said. He said that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with soul, your soul and your strength, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. You express your love of God to the way that you love others. And through his parables, he makes it very, very clear that your neighbor is not just the people you like, not just the people who think like you, look like you, live near you, but it's all people. This is what he says. He says that if you are my disciple, it will be revealed by the way that you love. So understand, love isn't an option for us. How we live out that love, how we understand that's lived and expressed, yeah, we, we may discuss that, and we may have some, some challenges around that, but, but we don't get to choose. We don't get to say, well, I want to love in some circumstances. That's not the nature of Jesus. Love is a command. And, and because it's a command, it reminds us that love is a choice. It goes far deeper than just an emotional experience. See, we celebrate, idealize, um, glamorize, if you will, the emotional love, the, the love that, that in some ways is easy because it's, it's, it's warm and it's fuzzy. It's, it's two young people that, that, are, that have fallen in love. And I, I, I love when I do counseling for, for young couples that are getting married. And, oh, it's so wonderful. He's everything I could ever want. I could never want more. She is perfect. I never want her to change. And, and it's so fresh, and it's wonderful. That is absolutely, it's great. But anybody that's been married more than two months <laughs> knows that that, that kind of love fades. That's an initial love, and it, it's important. But, but love becomes about those times, the, the depth of our love, when as I say, you know, you look at that person that you've committed to spend the rest of your life with and you go, oh, Lord, what have I done? You know? And they look at you and they say, oh, Lord, what have I done? The moments, by, my, the moments when it's, it's not an emotional thing. Those moments when we live into a choice that we have made to invest ourselves and to love others the way that, that God has called us to, 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 live, to live the the command, if you will. And, and, and that is a much deeper kind of love. And that's a more blessed kind of love because it goes much deeper than the surface level kind of things. That's what Jesus lived. He loved people. He loved the hardest people to love. And so it says, what reward do you get for loving those who are easy to love? 
That's what he says. Love your enemies. Love the, make a decision to, to live, to love. And, and it reminds us it's not just an emotional thing. It's an action-based thing. I, I was reading a story John Ortberg told that reminded me of things I've seen in my own ministry. But in his story, he, he was talking about a good friend of his who had um, grown up in, to put it mildly, a very dysfunctional reality. His father had left when he was very young. Uh, his mother was nothing like the, the motherhood that we celebrate today. She was not interested in his life. She wasn't encouraging. She didn't... She didn't uh, live in any such a way that showed much interest in anything he ever was doing. She was married five times. Men were in and out of, of the picture. And, and when he and his siblings grew up, they were out as soon as they could be gone. You know, it was, it was, a, it was the opposite of, of what we celebrate on, on Mother's Day. As his mom got older, she was diagnosed with a, a physical a disease, a degenerative disease, and, and her physical, um, her motor functions started to, to deteriorate. And none of his siblings wanted anything to do with her. And none of her husbands had wanted anything to do with her. And John Ortberg says this man made a choice. He made a choice to love his mother. And he brought her into his home. And he cared for her. He fed her daily. He cleaned up after her. He brushed her hair. He made a choice. Now, it didn't mean that it erased the wounds of his childhood. It didn't mean that all of a sudden he felt warm and fuzzy toward his mother. But it meant that he chose to love her because he believed it's what Christ had called him to do. And, and Ortberg, as, as I have seen, and I've seen this story played out in my own ministry, it challenges me because I wonder, as blessed as I've been in my life with family and, and with, with the things that God has poured into me, could I love that sacrificially? Could I, could I make that decision? And is my love of Christ deep enough that I could overcome those wounds? But he did. In fact, he said that when his mother died, 16 people came to her funeral. But yet, in spite of that, he chose to stand up and find whatever positive things he could pull, even from his own childhood, singing a Christmas carol one year into a tape recorder, and he played the tape just to try to honor her to the very best it was possible. He chose to love. It wasn't an emotional response. It was a faith response. That's what Jesus calls us to, to, to live that love. So love becomes a command. Here's the other thing. Love is sacrificial. Love is absolutely sacrificial. Verse 13, Jesus says this, Greater love has no one than this, that to lay down his or her life for a friend. He says the greatest expression of love is the ultimate sacrifice. And again, this is what Jesus would do. But he says to us, and he reminds us that love means a willingness to give up and to recognize that it, it requires of us. I, I laugh um, in, in a good way every year uh, that I see my, both my kids went through this, and I don't know how many schools do this, but, but MSA uh, does in the middle school years. I can't remember if it was sixth or seventh grade, the, the flower babies. What, what grade level was that? Seventh grade? The, the kids have to make, the, Ryan's like going, oh gosh. They have to make, um, you know, little babies. And maybe you've did this and see this, and they have to take them everywhere they go. And, and uh, they have to do a budget, I think, for, for how to, to, you know, expense and things like that. And, and the idea is to, 
to recognize, at least to begin to understand at some level, that the care, the love of another human being is demanding. It requires. Now, what would really be wonderful if they could figure out the way to make these flower babies scream their heads off at three in the morning <laughs> and spit up all over a clean shirt. Then it would really be... But, but the idea is, is to, to begin to understand that, that love requires us to give of ourselves. It is, by its nature, sacrificial. I uh, saw a list that somebody I know had put together recently of everything they were looking for and in an ideal mate. This is a young person. So the kind of woman that this guy wanted to marry. And he talked about, he was, he's kind of a fitness um, fanatic. So he's talking about, I, I want to marry a woman who um, likes to go to ball games with me, the woman who likes to exercise with me, the kind of woman that wants to lay in my arms, uh, the kind of woman who will cook healthy meals for me, which I thought, well, good luck. Um, but, 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 but that kind of, this kind of thing, this is the things that I want in, in, a, in a mate. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having an idea of the kind of person you're looking for. But as I read the list, and I've had these kind of conversations before, I thought, this is a very one-sided. You've shared all the things that you want to receive from the person you fall in love with. Tell me what you're willing to give. Tell me who you're willing to become for the person that you want to fall in love with. Tell me what you're willing to let go of for her in order to nurture and to live into that kind of a love. Love is sacrificial. And we absolutely, in our friendships, in our best of our family situations, in our marriages, we certainly receive and we get blessed by that. But we found, and most of you know, it's just as, as blessed to be able to give of yourself and to, to invest that into the life of another person. That's the nature of love. It's, it's sacrificial, a willingness to lay down your life. And, and I've said before, I hope there are people in your life that you know right off the top that I would give my life for them. If it was between me and them, I would lay down my life for them. And Jesus says the perfect ideal of love is willingness to do that for all people. I'm not there. I'm not. I, I want you to know I've got a long way to go to live that kind of perfect love. But that's who Jesus was. It's sacrificial. There's a story of, a, of a, two villages in the Andes Mountains. One was in the lowlands, and then there was a village high up in the mountains. And one day, the, the mountain villagers, they attacked the lowlanders. And they raided their village, and they took a lot of their goods. And in the raiding, they, they made off with a baby. They kidnapped a baby, and they took it up to their village in the mountains. And uh, the, the lowlanders realized they had to try to do something to get the baby back. And so they gathered some of the, the strongest men they had in the village, and they went on the expedition to try to, to, try to recover this child. The problem was they, they were from the Lord. They didn't know how to navigate the mountains. They didn't know the trails. They didn't know how to, to, to get up to the top. They didn't even know where the, the, the village was. And after days and days of trying, they'd made almost no progress. They could not figure out how to get, scale this mountain. They couldn't figure out how to get up there. And they finally just realized we've got to give up. And so they started to pack up to start to descend back to their, their village. And as they're packing up their goods, they, they see the mother coming down the mountain. They see her coming down the mountain that they hadn't been able to scale. And they see on the back of the mother, she's carrying her baby. And they couldn't believe it. 
And when she got to them, they looked and said, how did you do this? We are the strongest men in the village, and we couldn't figure out how to scale the mountain. We couldn't find the pass. We didn't know where the village was. We couldn't do it. How could you? And she just looked at him and said, it's not your baby. It's not your baby. The idea that whatever the cost, whatever it takes, I'm going to live that love in such a way that, that I do everything I need to do for this other person. That's sacrificial nature of love. And it doesn't always have to be the big, grandiose ways. I, I was out yesterday uh, with a couple of guys here in the church, and we were right at the post office. Yesterday, as many of you know, uh, if you remember seeing in your mailboxes this week, the post office uh, was collecting food. It was the, the food drive all over the county. And so a few of us were asked to, to be there as the, as the drivers came in from their, their mail routes uh, to help unload the, the, the mail trucks. And it was amazing to see how much food that they had collected. The guy was telling us they had, they had a, a trailer that we were loading it into, and they said the record was collection of six bins of food, big, big bins by the end of the day. Yesterday when it was over, we had nine. I mean, it was fantastic. And, uh, and you realize, which I just had never really thought much about, how much extra work it is for the mail carriers on that day. How much, I mean, they're used to dropping off the things. They're, they're pulling it, you know, and they're collecting, and they're just full. And uh, at the end of the day, the last three trucks had come in, and they'd been running late because it was a long day for them. And, and all the mail carriers had been very nice and, and very appreciative. But, but this one mail carrier came in. She had a big smile on her face. And she thanked us for being there. But what had been the norm is they would come in, they would get the, whatever mail they still had off the truck. They'd open it up, and they'd let us do our thing. But not her. She stayed. She climbed back in her truck. She's helping us unload food. She's helping us carry the food to the distribution place so that we can drop it in the truck. I mean, she just stayed with it, with a smile on her face the whole time. Now, I know it had been a long day for her. I know it had been a lot of extra work for her. didn't matter. She was willing to do whatever it took. And it was, a, it was in some ways a little thing, but it really was a big thing because it was a little extra sacrifice because I didn't get a chance to talk to her, but I tell you, there was a lot of love in that. I mean, you could just see. It was just there. Sacrificial. Yeah, I'll do whatever it takes. Bless others. Give to others. Make a difference. Love is a command. Love is sacrificial. And then the third thing that Jesus makes very, very clear is love bears fruit. Love bears fruit. Paul says, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And what he means is that it lives on. Jesus poured his love into his disciples, who in turn poured it in to the next generation. The, the greatest testimony of your life, the greatest testimony of your life is going to be the people who stand up someday when you have left this earth and testify to the difference you made. I sometimes worry that sometimes the, those who we love don't hear that before they pass away. I've sat in services and wondered, did this person know how much of a difference they made before they went to be with the Lord? But the thing is, you have received love. The idea is for you to invest it in the lives of others so that they will continue to live into that. That your life bears fruit by the difference you make in the lives of others. That's what Jesus is talking about. You bear fruit... Because you make a difference for somebody else. I said, you know, if, if we can leave this earth at 51%, meaning at least it's at least 1% better 
because we live than if we hadn't. We've done something. And some people do much better than that. Bears fruit. You invest it in the lives of people who then live that love out to others. And it becomes the, the pay it forward. It's who we're called to be. It's the testimony of our lives. That's the nature of love. That's what we celebrate today. And that we, we celebrate today people in our lives who have loved us, who have sacrificed for us, and who have made a difference in such a way that their love continues through the way that we love. We celebrate the people that come to mind when I say, who is it that's made a difference? Now, here's my challenge. I pray that someday we all live in such a way that whether they're our kids or our friends or our neighbors, whoever it may be, but someday when those who have known us are sitting in a worship service and the pastor looks at them and says, I want you to think of the people in your life who have made a difference for you. Live in such a way that your name comes to mind. Live in such a way that you're who they think of. And that as you celebrate others today, they will celebrate you. Whether you are remembering mothers who have gone to be with Jesus, as I have, mothers who are still with you that you can celebrate, and maybe they're not mothers, maybe they're teachers or Sunday school teachers or neighborhood or who knows, any kind of extended family, whoever they is, thank God for them. But then in the way of Christ and the example they've given, go and be like them. Go and be like them. Love bears fruit. Brothers and sisters, bear fruit. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, uh, we thank you for the example that you've given in Christ. We thank you for the love that you have shown us. And we're challenged to live that out. Help us to live that out. To, to live the command of love, the sacrificial nature of love, to, to invest in others so that our love would bear fruit. That's our prayer. And we pray it in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> I forgot to mention it, um, the, the sermon title, which is very, very simple. But uh, I started writing the sermon last week, and uh, I had just spent the weekend, and I'm looking at, at Bruce and Lauren. I'd been at the, the 80s party. It was Bruce's birthday party. And uh, so I'm thinking about the sermon title, and all of a sudden I had this line, Love, true love, and I was thinking, anybody know what that comes from? Any, any idea where that came from in my mind? The Prince's Bride. It was an 80s movie, so I was thinking, and if you've seen the movie, so that's, that's where that came from, love, except it was more like wub, true wub. Um, but uh, anyway, people sometimes ask me where these things come from, and they come from very, very random places. But um, the thing is, we do celebrate what true love is. And Jesus gives us that example. Jesus is that model. When he says to his disciples, when he says to us, this is my body, talking about sacrificial love, this is my body. It is broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. It's my body, my gift for you to make a difference in your life. And he says, every time you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, Jesus took the cup and, and like the bread, he gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood of a new covenant, a new relationship. It's poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you do it, do it in remembrance of me.
And so we remember, and part of what we remember is the example of love we have in Christ. May that strengthen us. May that bless us. And may that propel us forward to live that out. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, these gifts, bread and juice, we pray by the blessing and the anointing of your Holy Spirit that for us they become more. They become the body and blood of Christ, the body that was broken, the sacrifice that was made so that we, through his blood, can be forgiven and drawn to you and that we can be called to go out to be your body. And that means to live the way you lived, to love the way you loved. Challenge us in that. Encourage us and strengthen us in that. And may we be faithful until the day comes that we step into the perfect experience of love that is your kingdom. And forever we are in perfect fellowship with Christ. When the day comes at this meal, we share in your heavenly banquet. Until that day, keep us faithful, obedient, and strong. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord.